The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. This is Jill. Welcome or welcome back. Bonsoir à ceux qui écoutent depuis un pays francophone. And again, thank you very much for listening. Um, I am back. Uh, last week I was in France and I um, broadcast from France, reflecting a bit about um, what had happened. And I think it was very... Um, very useful. Instead of you know asking too many questions, I obviously that's what the rational mind wants. I wanted to understand what what had happened, and um, I was trying to you know put together all those signs, the signs about death uh, that I talked about. And uh, in my in my judgment, in my appreciation, there was some consistency between. Um, what I experienced in the south of France during the first um, four days of my trip, and also what I experienced in Paris when I went to the church of uh, Saint-Sulpice and, um, and then the Louvre. And I was kind of, um, I don't know, kind of, um, I wouldn't say flabbergasted, but I was, I was intrigued, you know. There was obviously something going on and something that I was unable to put my finger on. And um, fortunately, I was able to, to speak with Master Joel Cool. It must have been last week, uh, Tuesday. And, uh, and he confirmed to me that, you know, something was dying within. That's what he had said to me earlier on, that, um, you know, something is something without life, in a sense, is, is living. Um, and the metaphor that comes to mind, and that's what I wrote about in my, in my blog, I, I wrote a blog, blog post uh, this past Monday that I posted on nurturing the gift of seeking.org. And the title of that blog post was, uh, is um, Dying a Transitional Death. Dying a transitional death, whatever it means. I mean, it, it felt like um, the right thing to say, the right way to encapsulate what I had experienced in the, in the, in the past three weeks and, and getting closer, in a sense, to that notion of, of death and dying. It doesn't have to be a physical death again because then it would take some time to come back and to rebuild a new life 
but I believe that um, we can feel it, you know, when um, when something is leading us in a sense, something that no longer serves. And what I noticed, I think I also mentioned that last week, but um, somehow my disconnect, you know, with some of the people that I met in France, we, we no longer, I mean, it's been a while uh, since I met some of the people, maybe 25 or 30 years, but you can sense that the glue that, you know, glued us or bound us together in the beginning and the first few years of our relationships um, is no longer the same. It doesn't taste the same anymore. Um, and, and there's a sense, uh, a sense at least on my end, of moving, of moving forward, of moving towards some sense of direction, even though it's not very clear this time. But I know there's a path, a path that has been carved for me and that I have to follow. Um, and yet, I don't always get the same um, sense of... Um, I would almost use the word destiny, but that's possibly not the wide one, but the same sense of, of progress on the spiritual path coming from my friends, at least some of them that I met and saw in France. And... Um, and that's fine. I mean, you know, everybody's at a different stage of of progress and moving forward. I mentioned also in my blog um, that I witnessed a lot of healing in my brothers. Um, his attitude towards me had changed, and I can tell that some of the burdens that he was uh, carrying for a long, long time. There's, you know, things have been going on in our family for a long time. I mean, a good uh, a good forty years. And things that happened uh, early on, maybe 35 or 40 years ago, were not very pleasant uh, to him. And that's just what sometimes life is about, you know, coming from your own family. And uh, it's hard to forgive. It's hard to put things behind. But I think it's a very necessary, um, necessary thing to do because if you can't forgive, then there's always... Um, there's always a scar. There's always something that hurts. There's always something that um, hampers us. And I thought I could sense that this kind of hampering uh, was no longer there on my brother. And it was, it was very, um, very special. Um, even, you know, admitted to me, this is nothing, nothing new, but um, my mother has a tendency to put me on the pedestal and she does that, or she used to do that. She's not longer in a in a very um, in a very alive and conscious state. But um, she had a tendency to do that in front of my brother, and I could, you know, I could empathize with that and see how demeaning this could be to my brother. My mother promoting me in a sense I wasn't around, but yet she was promoting me using, you know, uh, out of the norm. Um, sentences or appreciation for who I was, even though I was like a, a few thousand miles away. And there was no word of appreciation for my brother and all the work that he was doing for my mother. He's been taking care of her for a long time because he's close by. And, um, and yet, there was so little. Uh, Sometimes there was even criticism coming from my mother towards my brother. And... Um, it's kind of hard, you know. Um, I had that feeling long ago and once when I felt some criticism from my mother. Uh, I think I mentioned that, but uh, 
I must have been at the time like 13 or 14. And uh, it was a weekday, I believe it was a Tuesday. Tuesday was market day in, the, in my hometown. And again, I was 13 or 14, my parents went to work and uh, I had some time off that day, that morning. So my mother sent me to the market and I bought whatever needed to be bought and uh, bought it home. And in the evening, my mother came back from work. Uh, my father was there in the kitchen already. He had returned from work and I was in my room um, studying and the, the door was shut and I could hear my mother, but I don't think she realized I was there. And she criticized, you know, what I had bought, saying it was very cheap stuff. And um, it was very difficult to, you know, to, to absorb what she said, you know. Um, supposedly from the person, who gave, the person who gave you birth, supposedly the person who loves you the most. And I'm sure she loved us in her own way, uh, the way she was conditioned to love. And perhaps the way she was conditioned to love was to criticize out of fear, out of insecurity, because she couldn't cope with that fear. She didn't cope with that insecurity. And um, that's the way it is. Sometimes, sometimes the people the closest to you are the ones hurting, uh, hurting you the most. And, um, and it takes time to realize that in the end, it's a blessing. I don't think it's even a blessing in disguise. It's a real blessing if we can look at it from a, from a certain perspective. But I think it, it, it takes time. It takes um, quite a bit of spiritual maturity to turn the, in a sense, to turn the coin around and to, to look at it as a, as a gift, as a gift of love uh, thrown onto your path. And... Um, I remember mentioning this example to Arena. Um, she's a, a person working in Japan as an awakening coach. And we did a session was last January of January of 2014. And um, she was asking me to think about a painful, uh, painful event in my life. And that's what I mentioned, you know, the time going to the market and being criticized for what I bought, criticized by, by the person who loved me the most. And I think at that time when I shared that with her, so we're talking about 35 years down the road, even possibly more, there wasn't, there wasn't full healing. I had not reached that, that place, that place of healing. And um, I believe I did since with that, that specific um, event. But... Um, it also takes a lot of courage to go back and visit it. And when you go back and visit and still feel some kind of, a, you know, tingling, uh, something very unpleasant, uh, it shows you that, uh, it shows us that it's still alive and there's still uh, an emotional layer that um, we need to address or we need to remove. And, um, and again, it's not easy. And that's why I'm very grateful for, for my brother to do his share of the work. I can send him light uh, from afar, but I cannot do the work of, of going within. And I cannot do the work of, um, of cleansing what needs to be cleansed. And I had not seen him for a good 13 months. 
So usually when we, we talk, it's fairly brief and I, I can't judge, I mean, and um, as much. Face-to-face obviously makes a very big difference. And uh, what he shares with me about you know, what he went through, I guess, was very, um, very enlightening, very, um, very peaceful as well. Um, I could tell that there wasn't the same block, uh, the same block that he used to, again, to face in his own life. And that's, um, that's really a, a beautiful form of progress, a beautiful form of, of, of healing. And I believe this is the direction the earth is going. And this movement of the earth, ascending or whatever you want to qualify, however you want to qualify it, is, um, is all about us doing the kind of work we need to do. I was you know, still reading about that in the, um, this morning, in fact. Um, I, had, um, I was reading um, a post, a channel post by um, a friend of mine in Germany called Isabel, and she was talking about the unicorn, unicorn whatever, a saga. And uh, I didn't quite like the words because what she kept emphasizing is the fact that, you know, there's no need to get together as a group and try to bring the light up for the benefit of the earth if we don't do our share of the work, our, our individual and, and personal share in the first place. And honestly, at this point, it's not something that I enjoyed reading. Um, but maybe that's, that's a sign. You know, this, this week's uh, theme is all about signs all about um, listening to and, and deciphering or discerning the signs. And maybe this is something that I don't like. It also means that it's something I may have to pay attention to. I don't know. I read the, the post fairly rapidly, but um, it's interesting that it came to me this morning, this very morning. Yesterday, when I started reflecting on what I would address today, I mean... I almost drew a blank. Um, I wanted to do kind of a, a follow-up to what I did last week, but it didn't feel good. I needed to come, with, to come up with something uh, fresher, in a sense, something more genuine, something coming out of my heart. And that's what I've been... Um, that's what I've been... Um, doing this morning. I've been... Um, I've been meditating, you know, so to to get something uh, tour out of my life for this show. And uh, this hasn't been uh, easy, uh, to be honest. And so that's why I am today speaking with you. Um, it's been um, a good experience of coming back. And um, again, reflecting and trying to see um, to see what happened, to see how it happened, and to see um, what I'm going to make out of it. We all have a you know a need, I guess, the rational mind has a need to explain um, very logically, and sometimes we can't. Sometimes uh, something else is at work, and that's just. 
That's just the way it is. This morning also I received a, I received a poem from uh, on my on my listserv from a, a person called uh, Joseph Campbell, and uh, perhaps it was you know what I needed really to to read and follow at this time. It says, "Follow your bliss." Um, Joseph Campbell is a. Uh, is a very dear author to me. I've been reading a lot in terms of uh, the hero's journey. I posted twice on my blog post about um, my hero's journey, and I bought a lot from uh, a book from uh, Joseph Campbell. And um, and I wanted to read this poem to you. Uh, it says again, "Follow your bliss." The divine manifestation is ubiquitous. Only our eyes are not open to it. How is what moves us forward? Live from our own center. The divine lives within you. The separateness apparent in the world is secondary. Beyond the world of opposites is an unseen, but experience unity an identity in us all. Today the planet is, only, is the only proper in-group. Participate joyfully in the source of the world. We cannot cure the worlds of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. You must return with the bliss and integrate it. The return, is, the return is seeing the radiance is everywhere. The world is a match for us. We are a match for the world. The spirit is the bouquet of nature. Sanctify the place you are in. Follow your bliss. So this is what I wanted to, to share with you. And... Uh, this is a beautiful poem. Um, I truly enjoyed it, and it didn't come to my um, to my inbox this morning by accident. Again, I was um, I was wondering what is it that I would um, I would talk about in a sense, and um, following our bliss. What does it mean to me? Uh, it's a very important question. And um, I think it's a, it's a good time for me to take a break. And I will, uh, I will see you after the break. And I will um, comment a little further upon, uh, upon the meaning of this poem. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine five. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now back to the program. Hello again. This is Jill. Thank you very much for listening and being uh, with us today. Merci beaucoup. So I was reading this poem by. Um, by Joseph Campbell uh, about following our bliss. And um, I know, again, what does it mean? Um, what does it mean to me when I receive it this morning? And, and maybe as a special sign, special sign from Joseph Campbell himself, who passed transition quite a, a few years ago, I think. And um, I don't know exactly when, but it's been at least transitioned for about 10 years. And he says, today the planet is the only proper in-group. Participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. We cannot cure the world of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. And I think in a sense, in many ways, it goes back to what I was describing about uh, my brother's healing. I I couldn't cure, in a sense, cure is a strong word, but I couldn't heal my brothers or help him fully help him with his burden. Um, what I could do is to reciprocate, um, you know, and send him some positive vibes and positive vibrations. But when there was something negative coming out of him, uh, the only thing I could do was to witness it and, and accept it for what it is, a gift if you wish. And I think it's, a line by, by this poem is very important. It says, we can choose to live in joy. You know, despite all what happens in the world, and I know that a lot is happening these days in terms of tragedy, in terms of war, in terms of strife, in terms of migrants, you know, trying to find a home. I'm not watching the news, so I don't get all the details. And I'm, I'm much more into, you know, the meaning of what I'm 
experiencing. And I think in a sense, not absorbing uh, all the sorrows coming from the world should enable us to, to live in joy, I think, more, more easily, more, more joyfully, I guess. That's my understanding. And then the poem reads, you must return with the bliss and integrate it. The return is seeing the radiance is everywhere. The world is a match for us. We are a match for the world. The spirit is the bouquet of nature. And the way I understand this is that the world is our place, despite you know, what goes on in the world. This is where we are born. This is where we can carry our mission. Some people don't like the word mission, but um, there's a reason deep down, I guess, uh, why we are here today, witnessing what the world is going through on a planetary level and doing our own little share in terms of um, cleansing and purifying. And this cleansing and this purifying, I think it's, is also what allows us to, to move forward and to, as Joseph Campbell's put it, to sanctify the place we are in. Because we do the work that we are meant to be doing. And by doing this, we, we get rid of the old. We get rid of all the wounds um, that we experience in the PCN age. And as the world moves further down or further into the Aquarian age, and there's some sort of a, as the Tibetan Buddhists call it, some sort of a bardo. It's like a, a birth canal. And again, I think it's a birth canal at the individual level where all of us can do the work we are supposed to do and cleanse and purify uh, what needs to be purified. But at the same time, there's, a, there's a, a more global movement, a universal movement, if you will, of purification, of, of getting the, world, the, the load lighter. And... Um, I see both working hand in hand. And I see myself doing my little share of the work. Um, whatever it means, um, it doesn't need to, you know, to be shared with just about everybody in the world. But what really matters is that we become conscious of what needs to be done on an individual level. I don't think we can um, ever save, so-called save the world. What we can certainly do is transform ourselves. And by a ripple effect, we can transform the environment where we live. It could be our families. It could be our workplace. It could be the schools our children attend. It could be, you know, again, our social uh, networks, the place where we can do volunteer work. And um, that's what really matters. I think that's what I understand by sanctify the place you are in. Send your light out and do the work you have to do. I think it's, um, 
it's not always an easy thing to do. Again, we, we, we all have material uh, obligations, material requirements, and uh, we have to put bread on the table. We have to feed our families. We have to um, do things sometimes that we don't really like, especially at work or, you know, wherever we are. Uh, we find there are rules. Rules, they are not always rules of nature. They are rules of institutions. Um, just to give you a small example, I've been talking earlier on a lot about our son and um, what was going on in his daycare. And now he's going to a school, uh, a French international school in the, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, not far from Seattle. And there are rules in terms of dropping off the kids and picking up the kids. And depending on the age group, depending on the grade that they attend, uh, the rules vary. And, um, and they are not always easy to, to, to follow because um, we are not used to those and he's not used to those as well. We are supposed to drop him off uh, by the curb. And then he's supposed to walk into the, the school by himself. And it's something we've never done before. And even after two months, it's uh, something that feels a bit difficult. And to be honest, it's something I haven't done yet. I'm the one dropping him off um, in the morning at the school. And, and again, I can reflect on that rule and uh, the purpose of that rule, which is to make traffic more fluid in the morning, which is... Um, understandable and yet how do I um, how do I integrate that role into our lives into our son's life into our parents life um, it's a small thing but it shows that on a day-to-day -day basis we need to adapt sometimes we must adapt if we want a paycheck uh, to things that we don't always like and um, it's not always easy. Sometimes it requires uh, courage and uh, courage to express ourselves if it's uh, something it, which is we deem unfair. But sometimes it's more or less like a, a blank rule or a plain rule that we have to follow and in which we don't have any... Um, any input in a sense. And that leads me back to, to this topic um, that I, you know, addressed before and I will be coming back to it in the, in the weeks ahead, this topic of the masculine and, and the feminine energies. With the masculine uh, tendency to, again, it's not male-female, it's a masculine and, and feminine and the masculine tendency being around, you know, dictating things or setting up rules, uh, orienting things, in a sense, taking something when you need something. There's a, there's a tendency within the masculine to, again, to take initiative and to force things out, in a sense, if we want something out. The feminine energy, as I, as I conceive of it, is much more about receiving. It's a much more 
very much so in line with the topic of today. It's much more about following the signs. Filling the signs and see where this leads us. And the signs are the bliss, to get back to uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, poem, are coming from the universe. You know, they form a little uh, track in a sense, little pebbles. And I think what it requires of us is alignment, alignment with the feminine, alignment with what the universe, the universe is telling us, the universe is showing us. And um, again, it's much less of, of forcing is the word that comes. It's, a, it's much less in terms of achievement. It's much more a question of listening. It's much more a question of, of, of relationship of building the relationship, which is a very, uh, you will agree, it's a very intangible um, thing to do. Uh, a relationship is being woven, and hopefully it's going gonna, it's gonna to blossom into something uh, meaningful, be it between, you know, wherever that relationship is taking place. And um, the relationship comes first. In many cultures that are driven by achievement, the, the thing you need to do, the, you, the thing you need to force out comes first and the relationship itself tends to take a, a secondary position, which means that it happens and sometimes it doesn't even happen. You do what you have to do, but the relationship itself um, is still very much um, in its infancy. And I've heard many examples of that, uh, especially across um, the Atlantic Ocean between Europe and the U.S., examples of projects being uh, carried out. And there was so little uh, relationship building doing at the, being done at the beginning. And um, again, what comes primary in, in the masculine energy is the need to achieve, the need to compete as well. The need to surpass possibly your neighbor or possibly your peers. And as I see this, this is the energy of the past. We need a new kind of um, energy to boost us into the future, into the, um, into the Aquarian age. And um, and it's something I'm going to be um, devoting my, again, my energy in the next few weeks uh, how to enhance that, that feminine energy in, in people. Um, this is a topic of interest to me, and that's not by accident that I've been uh, mentioning the masculine and the feminine uh, in a few of my shows or or what I call the achievement versus the affiliation. It's one way to categorize and to put that on a, on a continuum. And you know, the, the tendency to set up rules that tend to be hard or soft, then the, you yourself have to, just, to judge the, the, the softness of the, of the rule. But it's, um, it's a future that I can uh, foresee in terms of uh, as, as we move forward and, and upward into the Aquarian age, 
that there will be uh, at a universal level a greater influx of the feminine. I mean, we keep talking more and more about uh, the goddess mother, mother earth, um, illuminating us in a sense and giving us an influx that um, we're barely aware in those two or three thousand years that we went through. We, we experience a lot of patriarchal energy. And this energy, this patriarchal energy, if you look at the institutions that are still running the world today, are still very much uh, present. And I believe uh, a few of those um, institutions will eventually fall down. This is what... Um, this is what evolution is about. This is what um, the feminine, the gentle, the softer side of humanity is all about. It's about expressing a future built on, on cooperation, on collaboration, on, um, on grace. I wanted to and maybe it's the right time for me to introduce it very briefly, but to introduce this notion of grace that I've been reading about um, in a book on the way back to the U.S. last week. And that has to do also with our inner search. So I will say much more about that in the next uh, segment. But Grace feels more like uh, grace in, 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 in French is a, is a feminine word, c'est la grâce. And it feels like very much like, um, again, a feminine energy that we can harness, um, harness from within. And that's where also I see that, that feminine energy coming from. There's a lot of, I believe, especially in those imbued with the, the masculine energy, there's a lot of feminine energy there, just waiting to be unleashed in a sense, waiting to be um, let go, let, let up in a sense. And um, I think it's a question of opening up, especially for men, opening up to a different side of who we are. But we are all imbued, we are all uh, permeated, um, all, I'm looking for a positive word in here, you know, all benefiting from that feminine energy. It's just a question of letting it out. And what it requires in, in the first place, again, is the, the will, the desire to go within and to do a bit, um, a bit more spelunking. A bit more, a bit more digging to see what is being hidden in those caves, and when we meet something which feels very dark, and very, very uncertain, very, um, you know, we feel very hesitant about going into this area because possibly we've never been there, and possibly you know it's it's a dangerous place. But in the end, I think there's much more to for us to to find out, to explore, to unearth, and to harvest from those dark areas that feel um, a little strange, a little scary at the first time. So thank you very much. I will um, see you right after the break.
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Welcome back. Thank you very much for listening, for listening to uh, Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in, in all of us. And today, uh, the theme of the day, the theme of the week is about signs. The signs that um, come into our lives and our ability to discern those signs, to, to listen to them in the first place. And I'm not going to give you um, a recipe or... A way, you know, a way to listen to those signs. I think it's a question of attunement. It's a question of getting getting within and doing as much spelunking as you want, as you can. Uh, and it's a very personal thing. I'm not going to tell you how many hours a day, how many minutes a day you should uh, meditate, or you should do yoga, or you should uh, go to church or the temple or the synagogue. It's really not up to me. It's not the purpose of this show. It's much more also to um, to look at my own signs. You know, these are the signs I can talk about. I can't talk about your own signs. I'm not here for that. And uh, something very interesting happened. Between, um, between last Friday when I was coming back, and I was reading this, um, this paragraph um, of this chapter about the quest, the quest for the grail. And I've been very intrigued by the grail um, for about a couple months now. So I've been doing some research, you know, it's the grail, depending how we define it. And I'm going to share with you an approach to the grail now, which is purely, purely intangible, purely um, 
purely spiritual, when many people, you know, would look into the Grail as a, as a physical object, which is fine, I guess. But it's if it's really an object, it's something we may have to look for a long, long time before it it uh, shows up again. We don't even know where the so-called Grail is. I've read in terms of the Grail, I've read about the chalice, you know, um, the cup that may have been used by um, Joseph of Arimathea to collect the blood of the Christ, the, yeah, the blood of the Jesus Christ. That's one version I heard also about the spear that was used to pierce uh, Jesus' body. And, um, and that's fine, and I'm not quite interested into that. It's much more, how do we um, achieve the grail within? It's, uh, it's interesting I'm using the word achieve, because again, it's a very masculine term. I think it's much more a question of how do we welcome, how do we honor, um, how do we acknowledge the grail within. To me, it's a very spiritual notion that can only come from within, can be only acknowledged from within. You can go to church or whatever religious institution and, and um, listen to whomever you want. And, and most likely or possibly this message, the person's message will hit home. At the same time, if you don't search within, if you don't look for the signs, I would almost say if you don't provoke the signs, I'm not so sure you will uh, make progress toward that, you know, that inner grail, which to me is the, the true grail, the true search goes within. And I was, so I was reading this, this paragraph that talks about um, the 13th century conception of the grail, again, it's much more of a, of a spiritual experience, which is purely, purely emotional, uh, that culminates, uh, the text is in French, so I have to reflect a little bit, into ecstasy, uh, I think into rapture, that could be another word, um, and it talks about the supreme blossoming of the life of grace within us. That's the notion. And this notion has been, um, at the time in the 13th century, has been uh, very much influenced by the Cistercian um, approach to, to life. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Cistercian, it comes from uh, an abbey in France called Cito, C-I-T-E-A-U-X, um, which is near Dijon, if I'm not mistaken, in Burgundy which was very, uh, very active in the um, 10th and 11th centuries. And out of this um, abbey came a monk uh, called Bernard de Clairvaux, Bernard of Clairvaux, who later founded uh, an abbey called Clairvaux, which is not so far from the city of Troyes in, Troyes in France, T-R-O-Y-E-S. And I had a chance uh, about two weeks ago on the way back to eastern France to stop by and visit this abbey of Clairvaux, which has been turned into a jail uh, in uh, 1810 or 1815 at the time of Napoleon. So it doesn't quite look like an abbey, but um, there's suddenly a lot of history that is being revived. So if you ever want to um, visit that place, uh, which is about 200 kilometers uh, east of Paris, uh, 
you certainly can can do it, and you will see a lot of uh, a lot of the jail. But there's many more to that. I mean, there's a there's a beautiful chapel as well. And in the chapel, um, initially, when it was built, that that building was uh, served as the the cantina, the dining hall of the monks. Uh, later, I think sometime during the 18th, uh, 18th century. And when this building was turned into a jail, they transformed that dining hall into, into a chapel that could host, I think, at least a thousand people. And um, we went into that huge uh, dining hall or chapel with a guide, a young woman, very knowledgeable about the life of uh, the Abbey of Clairvaux, and she, um, we saw a beautiful painting, a huge painting above, um, above what looked like an altar, in a sense, or the, the choir. And um, obviously, a, a painting of the Last Supper uh, with Jesus, Jesus surrounded by his disciples. And, um, and interestingly enough, uh, the author of this painting was unknown. And I tried to look also in the painting for any sign of a, any sign of a feminine presence, uh, signs that I've seen in uh, in my search in in Paris in the Louvre in some of the paintings of um, of Nicolas Poussin. I mentioned him again last week in terms of the um, the shepherds of Acadia. There was a lot of um, uh, in the shepherds of Acadia. There was a a highly visible feminine presence that might signify uh, some sort of a secret society. And in that chapel um, in Clairvaux, I couldn't find any track of any trace of a, of a feminine presence. And I just acknowledged it and took it as it is. But the place felt very, very special. Um, it's just that... Um, it's no longer being used nowadays, so it's being transformed into a, more of like a, a museum. So it's a, it's a very different um, area now. So the reason that I was mentioning Clairvaux is because of the, the concept of the, of the grail, the inner grail, uh, influenced by the Cistercian uh, philosophy and especially Bernard of Clairvaux. And... Um, Again, referring to the quest for the grail, uh, the book that I was reading uh, mentioned the knights that are living for the quest. Uh, I believe there was at least 150 knights around the table. And at some point they left for the, for the quest, uh, believing that it was a, a physical journey to undertake. And all those knights uh, are a symbol of all, all of us human beings that are, in a sense, the text says, we receive this grace, but we are not using, all of us are not using it uh, wisely. Or the way we use it is not appropriate. And they give the example of Gawain, I believe it's, uh, the word is Gova in French, it's Gawain in English, uh, who is not able to use that grace. And he's not able to reach out uh, to the grail. And uh, what the, this paragraph that I copied uh, concludes is that the grail is not, a, is not a thing of the earth. 
is not a physical object, but it's rather a manifestation of divine love. And it's something you can find, something that is reachable by any of us. But that really matters is to discover it within our own heart and to make it, it ours, our first, it calls it our first revelation. And to me, it means a question of ownership. I, I don't fully understand, to be honest, I don't fully understand those words, but it's not by accident. It's one of the signs um, that came to me that I was able to uh, copy this paragraph. And um, I, went, I was meant to do that because yesterday in, in a blog post of a friend of mine in Paris, Elisabeth Berger, she was talking about a sense, you know, meaning in life in a sense. And uh, at some point she mentioned the grail. And she said, you know, not everyone in life has a need to pursue that quest for the grail, for the, for the, the holy grail. But I don't think that the grail is that holy in a sense. Because that divine love that this... Um, book talks about, that this philosophy, the Cistercian philosophy talks about, it's a kind of love that we carry within, and it has been uh, obstructed, in a sense, by many layers of whatever you want to call it, many layers, many veils, um, many wounds. When I think back about what happened during the Piscean age, what is it that all of us experienced uh, in terms of wars, in terms of tragedies, in terms of famines, in terms of whatever you name it. But we don't, you don't realize to what extent all what had happened in the past few millennia, few past millennia has influenced who we are today and has influenced, you know, the kind of work we need to do still and that gets me back to what I was saying in the first segment. That again, this, this, um, this work that we are doing collectively because of our individual uh, commitment, in a sense, to, to going within and to, um, to quote-unquote, fixing the past, fixing the heart, fixing the, what needs to be purified, is what makes a difference in the end. And I think the more we do that, the more we commit ourselves to a path of purification, a path of, of regeneration, a path of rejuven rejuvenation. I think the more we commit ourselves, the more we you know, take that journey within, the more signs we will be seeing. And it's my sense, I've been on some spiritual groups in Facebook and some people around me, I mean, mentioned quite a few signs, amazing signs, amazing discussion. Uh, a Swedish a friend of mine, Mason, uh, you know, catching up a discussion about self-love in public transportation. These are signs of the time that we are living, you know, things are changing. And things are changing for the better. Uh, they are changing for the better. They are changing for the more beautiful. So again, I will end this... Um, this talk today with the same message. Please go within. Please attend to your own garden and to the kind of, of work, to the kind of gardening and pruning work that you need to do, that we all need to do on an individual basis. 
it's really what is essential for humanity to blossom and flourish in this new age of Aquarius. So thank you very much, and I wish you uh, a beautiful week, and I will see you in about seven days. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Thank you.